0: tells you that you're listening to the power of three podcast in which a group of grumpy delays in two cases that is one of us isn't far off being a pensioner doctor who fans come together to discuss our favorite time traveling hero in all forms of his adventures that jarring cacophony oh i've just repeated myself it means it's time for us to use those elemental forces from beyond time and space itself for failing that use a time scoop to achieve the impossible and bring together the co-conspirators one of them is David Steele, who's copped a load of work recently, so not being able to join us as regularly as usual. Say hello, Dave.
1: Hello, Kenny. Hello everyone. Hello listeners. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. David Steele coming to you live from COP27.
0: And if you thought a lesser spotted long-shanked steel was a rare beast, then we've got an even rarer creature this week. It is to give him his Latin name, the Alta Severi Orum Sinex. Tom Harris. I don't know what's going on anymore.
2: They'll <laughs> write that on my gravestone, actually.
0: <laughs> Amazing. How are you, Tom?
2: I'm extremely well. I've been a wee bit busy. I've I've, I've done my own um, fair uh, share of COP26 events this week as well, and I cannot wait for the whole damn thing to be over.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be spending the whole of Friday and Saturday flinging everything into a sketch after a COP26 finishes, so yes. Save
2: the environment, kids. Right. <laughs> I remember once, years and years ago, when I was head of marketing for Strathlete Pasture Transport Executive, and I, we all had, I as the the only, we were the only executive in Scotland. We used to meet in a, a great British-wide group of other transport executives. So all of the elite public relations people from each of the eight or so <clears throat> British executives used to meet. And one year I was hosting the event in, in Glasgow, and I was asked by some of the people there, so what's, what's Strathclyde Passenger transport executive, doing to mark National Environment Week? And I said, well, we, we haven't got anything planned, we're too busy um, disposing of our big pile of tyres by burning them. <laughs> and I paused to see if anyone would laugh, and the only person that laughed was my own deputy. She laughed immediately because <laughs> she knew that was her job, and everyone else just looked at me horrified. So I've stopped making jokes about that as far as the environment is concerned.
1: Amazing,
0: love it. Well, that jarring yes, cacophony. Oh, hang on, that's another repeat. Just Why do you keep saying episodes? Episode. Why do let you keep me, saying about me. the jarring cacophony? You've said it four times now. Well, Tom, that's because we're going to talk about some repeats. I've been repeating myself. Oh, I see. I didn't get that at all. We're going to head back to what was on our screens 40 years ago on BBC Two with the repeats in the Five Faces of Doctor Who season. For young whippersnappers used to the YouTube, Netflix, Twitch and all these other 21st century creations, this was a series of repeats organised by the then producer of the show on TV, John Nathan Turner, which was broadcast on BBC Two from Monday to Thursday evenings beginning in November 1981. He chose five four-part stories from the first four Doctors as well as Legopolis, as it featured the first on-screen appearance of Peter Davison's Fifth Doctor, so justified the title of the repeats. Tom, what do you remember about these? They must have been quite interesting for yourself.
2: Oh, I remember being extremely excited when it was announced. We didn't, we, you know, we didn't have any advance notice that this was going to be announced. Uh, and I can't remember, was it announced just after Logopolis part four finished? I can't remember. But it just it just appeared on television. And, and next week on Doctor Who, uh, you know, the five faces of Doctor Who. And it showed you a montage of the different adventures that were going to be shown. And I fell off my seat. I think probably literally because, you know, as we've bored people with before on this podcast, you know, the, the BBC just never repeated Doctor Who very very rarely and by the late 70s early 80s it was even rarer you know we'd had repeats of omnibus editions of of, uh, Spare from Space of Evil of the Daleks before that of the Sea Devils but that was kind of it they just really were very reluctant to, to repeat anything. And then suddenly we were going to get a full story of not of the original. That was the most exciting thing. An Unearthly Child was going to be shown along with the three episodes immediately following the An Unearthly Child, all, all four episodes of 100,000 BC. And, 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 you know, the Crotons, was it the Three Doctors that they showed? Uh, the, the Carnival, episode? then the Three Doctors. Carnival, then the Three Doctors, uh, which is the wrong way around, really. And and then and and the the baker one was a bit disappointing because they were showing Legopolis, I think is that right is that have we got that mm-hmm. right that's and, right yeah. and and we had just watched that so uh, but they had to show that because you couldn't get five faces unless you had Peter Davison's face at the very end of that it was just brilliant you know we had we had me and my friends relied on the target paperbacks for our nostalgia, for our understanding of the previous doctors, because of the BBC's intransigence. And, um, and suddenly, things were changing at the beep and we were just, it was just wonderful.
0: The repeats were an unearthly child from the 2nd to the 5th of November, the crotons from the 9th to the 12th of November, carnival of monsters from the 6th to the 19th of November, three doctors from the 23rd to the 26th of November, some rather nice timing there, and logopolis from the 30th of November until the 3rd of December. So, Dave, where were you at the time? How old were you, and what do you recall I, about these?
1: I was eight years old, I was in primary four, and I remember it very, very well because, you know, I've, I've talked in the past before in the podcast about how at the end of Legopolis and Tristan Farman from All Creatures Great and Small turning up as a new Doctor had just been mind-blowing. I think it's probably safe to say that The Five Faces really cemented the fact that I was going to be a Doctor Who fan. And quite a lot of people have sort of said this on Twitter in the last week or two when we've been reminiscing about The, the Five Faces. It's terrifying it's 40 years because I remember it really, really clearly. I remember... You know, after Lugopolis, being you know a bit more interesting Doctor, reading some of the books and stuff, but then the the actual chance to see some old stories was crazy. I remember a trailer in my mind is different to any of the ones that have been released on home media, which is very strange. It's quite a long trailer that's on the home media, but I remember one that was a bit more punchy because I remember my mum and dad saying, "Oh, there he is," when the shot of the second Doctor sort of trying to creep away from the the tendril. I'm miming a tendril down the zoom screen to Kenny now. Because trout was my mom's favorite doctor. New look to Monday afternoons on BBC Two, beginning tomorrow at 3:55 with Betty Davis playing twins in the star movie *A Stolen Life*. And there's the first ever *Doctor Who* with William Hartnell. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Have you? To be exiles. Susan and I are cut off from our own planet, without friends or protection. But one day, we shall get back. The other thing I remember really clearly is how ev- it seemed that everyone at school watched it. Everyone at school watched it. I remember writing about the crotons in my news jotter and saying my favourite bit was when the Doctor and Zoe, and I wrote Zoe as it was spelled, Z-O-E, and my English, my, not my English teacher, my teacher, who was Mrs New. And I've never forgotten this. She corrected my spelling by putting a red Y at the end of Zoe, and I actually took the Radio Times in to show her that she was wrong. <laughs> I remember the my I remember you know I remember my mum being on the phone at the end of the episode of the Crotons when the Crotons start to form in the tank. I remember being absolutely blown away at, at learning about Jamie, that the Doctor had a companion from the you know because my folks had watched it. You know, so they told me, you know, a little bit about each of the people. That Jamie was a Highlander from the, from the, um, the Battle of Culloden, and that was amazing. That was mind blowing. but The most mind blowing thing of all, and I've said this on the podcast before, I'm sure, was being able to see the guy who played Russell Gummidge as Doctor Who. It was astonishing. It was because Russell was massive; had been massive for a couple of years, and seeing John Pertwee in action was just mind blowing. Almost as mind blowing as Tristan Farnham turning up at the end of Legopolis. <laughs> remember the three doctors, I remember the, the day that episode one of the three doctors went out drawing three cra- crappy little, scrappy little Tardises in my news jotter at school because I was looking forward to seeing the three doctors. Hi, yeah. And I've, 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 there's another memory about Legopolis, but I'll save that for, you know, I can I'll, I'll share that later on because I don't want to front to load too much. Yeah, I
0: mean, I remember being super excited when An earthly Child came on and watching it in our living room in our old telly, which is sort of like wooden, wooden bits on it, wooden and plastic combo and uh, Design Nightmare and watching it and that and just being absolutely entranced by the first episode. Episode two is you know, fascinating just to see it sort of like, you know, the doctor's reaction to the TARDIS not changing and the fact he smoked a pipe. I remember remember uh,
1: that. That that shocked me. yeah. I remember that, that scene very well. I mean, it was we were such sponges, I think, in those days that you know most of my memories of these mm-hmm. stories, despite the fact that I've watched them on DVD and VHS since, they're they're mainly from when I first you know saw it in eighty one. I remember mm-hmm. that it was fascinating being able to see the very first story for the first time. It was you know and it's so well done the way that's you know the Doctor is not the protagonist essentially, you know, which is obviously something mm-hmm. that's changed enormously since. But Dave, here's the worst part of it for me. So All episode right. two quite enjoyed it.
0: Episode three, watched it and thought, okay, caveman politics. Obviously, I wouldn't be thinking too much more than that. But then for episode four, and for every subsequent episode four, I never saw them because I had to go to the Beavers. I went to Beavers on a Thursday night, so I never got to see part four of any of these stories. So I had to rely on my mum, my sister, or my dad watching them and telling me what happened. And then obviously the target books would help further down the line but I never got to see them so that was you know one of, when these came out on VHS or when I started when I joined fandom and was able to see copies I could finally see part four oh of each of these what time did Beaver start because these were tea time repeats these were on like half yeah, past I was five about see, yeah, I think it was on the, I think it was on about um, about quarter to six because then the Cubs would be on afterwards because of the church right. hall but right. I never got to see episode that- four of each of these so that is my shock revelation oh my- but see other ones you know the crotons made a big impression on me because I just loved the, the camaraderie between the doctor Jamie and Zoe, particularly with the doctor bumbling as through the crotons test and Zoe getting it right. And I thought that made such a good impression on me. I thought, yeah, the doctor is brilliant, but he's not always brilliant, and he can be brilliant in the wrong ways. Carnival of Monsters, visually, I thought it was great. in fact you've got um, all these wonderful ideas coming together, and you think, oh, there's a mystery on a ship, and oh, but what is this in the hold? What is
1: this plate? And yeah. Yeah, the just thing grows, and bought- it's
0: wonderful, and great characters
1: yeah I remember Carnival very clearly as well I remember the, the stuff at the start you know when obviously Joe has I mean Joe this was the obviously the first time I encountered Joe Grant I think on telly, and Joe obviously realising before the doctor that they probably weren't where they thought they were and all that you know that you know. All the, I remember all the stuff with the chickens I remember the phenomenal cliff cliffhanger when the Drash egg burst out of the swamp I remember talking about that and my news jotter you know, my favourite bit was I last night I watched Doctor Who, the Carnival Monsters. My favourite bit was when the dinosaur burst out of the swamp. I mean, that was what you wanted in those days. This wasn't too far after the TV transmission of Land of Time Forgot. I think you know which we talked no. about in the earlier episode. So it was, as I always say, it was proper Doctor Who. It was, it was great being able to to watch Carnival Monsters. It was um. You know, and it's a, which the story now, which always has a bit more resonance because we you know that Ian Martel's in it and all that. But you know, when at that point, I had no idea he, he was a guy that played Harry Sullivan. I may probably, I may not even have had any idea who Harry Sullivan was at that point. It's so strange how much, I mean, forty years ago is the thing I keep thinking about. So I did a rewatch about four years ago, four or five years ago, three. You know, three years ago, I was still still actively engaged and interested in Doctor Who that I off my own back into the uh, a rewatch of the Five Faces, you know, one one episode on on the anniversary of you know the, on the the rather random 37th anniversary of when it had been repeated, and even watching them then, my nostalgia was for you know when I was in primary four. Yeah, um, we should probably talk about Three Doctors. I still have a lot of nostalgia
0: and happy feelings about it. You know, just sort of seeing Pertwee and Trouton together, and it just made such a good impression. The fact you've got such wonderful performers together. And they're just their dynamic is, is wonderful. It just contrasts the second doctor down to earth, more relaxed, perky, it's like more authoritarian, and liking things done in his way. And yeah, I thought it was a wonderful clash between the two of them and absolutely loved it. And just the whole Omega just such a memorable character as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. My main sort of abiding memories um, from that time with the three doctors are. The second Doctor recognising Sergeant Benton, which was amazing. And it's a really clever device for selling it for anyone that maybe doesn't remember him. The fact that Benton is a regular knows who this guy is. But also, you know, the scenes of the Doctor fighting the, the other version of Omega in the void and Mr. Hall. I mean, I remember the opening sequence kind of put me in mind. felt very tomorrow people to me at the time. So I still have memories of that. And it's, it's so strange. I had such separate distinct opinions and feelings about the Three Doctors in my head from when I first saw it versus what I think of it now through many sort of repeated viewings. I still think it's marvellous. The, the sort of tragedy of Omega. I mean, I, I think I've said this in the podcast before, that months later at school, you know, whatever assembly, Friday morning assembly, wherever it was, we were all sort of singing hymns at primary school, which I don't know if they still do that. Jim Simpson, and this was an, an indicator, one of the boys in my, in my class at school, that so many people had watched it. Watch these repeats. Um, there was a line in one of the hymns, which I might have said in the podcast before. Alpha and Omega, he, and I remember us walking back round to the class and Jim shouting to me, "Steely, Omega!" In that hymn, Alpha and Omega, just like in that, just like in Doctor Who, and we were all like, "Yeah!" <laughs> it was so exciting. I mean, it was. I th- I can think the only other time I felt as excited as a Doctor Who fan was probably in 2005, you know, when it was coming back. You know, as as a real neophyte Doctor Who fan at this point, it was it was amazing. The three Doctors was great, you know, meeting the Brigadier, meeting, meeting Sergeant Benton, then going on to read loads of the books and knowing who these people were and stuff. It was, um, it was terrific. I can't, I can't emphasise enough just how cool it was just being able to see, you know, the older Doctors, but especially, you mm-hmm. know, especially John Pertwee, because it was, like, so, so different to Wurzel Gummidge. Such a... A completely yeah. different character, such a different
2: performance. He was amazing. Did you have a highlight from this batch, Tom? It'd have to be an unearthly child, which I had never seen before. I'd seen clips, but uh, to see the very first episodes was was staggering. I mean, I've I've always maintained that the next three episodes, uh, sitting in caveman areas was, was dull as ditch water. But the first episode remains to this day a work of genius. I mean, just just amazing stuff. Uh, which is why the next three episodes were actually quite disappointing because I think they lacked any kind of imagination that, that we got in the first. One. But to see the very first, you know, when when Ian and Barbara turn up at the at the junkyard was just, yeah, that had. Because I also sort of go on about this, I re- I retained even at that time vague memories of the Crotons when it was first broadcast, and uh, and I had very good memories of all the other all the other episodes i remembered very vividly the three doctors carnival of monsters so i was looking forward to seeing them but i did remember them at least i knew and i knew what the stories were because i'd read the books an unearthly child hadn't been novelized at the time i had never seen it I, it was broadcast before i was born so that was for me the biggest treat so Legopolis, i
0: remember thinking at the time the other stories they've got their fun bits but Legopolis it's so full of misery and doom and gloom and I remember at the time watching it you're watching it again and just thinking we've seen these ones before and it did make me start to question oh I like it Doctor Even, it's got a bit more fun in it and obviously you know in A Doctor's Last Story it's not always going to be giggles all the way but you still like you know the odd moment and just the whole tone you could tell you know sort of even as a young fan you can tell there's a, to- a different change of tone and feel to the show as it's evolved what were you going to tell us about the Logopolis?
1: Well, the thing I remember most about Logopolis, um and it's interesting because I, I'm kind of, I think I'm in the mirror I don't find Legopolis to be full of doom and gloom. I think the relationship between Tom and Matthew is a joy to be home. There's some really good jokes in it. It's, it's, I would say it's, I would say that it's very atmospheric. And there's, you know, I think when you know what's coming, you can maybe sort of think, oh, this is all gloomy and doomy. But I, I don't think it's too gloomy and doomy. I think it looks a bit grey because obviously they filmed it. In, you know, December or January, whenever it was. But I think I don't, I don't find it. My five faces of Doctor Who related memory for Livopolis is that my mum decided that we weren't going to watch that one because we'd seen it already. <laughs> now I remember watching the repeat of Full Circle during the summer, which is put in its. And I, was it keep of Track and the other one that got repeated? I can't remember. I think it was. Yep and recognising bits. And obviously I've said many times how, how Andrew Smith completely traumatised me for life. Bad dreams for years about being chased down corridors by marshmen. But Logopolis, we didn't watch it. I remember saying, you know, can we, you know, and I remember Mama Steele saying, oh, oh, you've seen that one already. We don't have to watch it again. So we watched what else was on. But I do remember that she let me switch it over for the last five minutes of part four. So I saw the regeneration stuff again. I remember, I think... And this is the thing. This is the you know, as I said about earlier on about memory sponges. I mean, you're just soaking up. I remember putting it over. Maybe it wasn't even as long as the last five minutes because I think we don't. I think they were already at the point when Teagan and Nissa and Adric were kneeling down beside him. So we saw the changeover shot. I think we missed the the enemy's sort of faces as he was hanging, but I could I could be wrong. But the 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 shot that sticks in my mind from putting it over Again, again I was eight Alison was barely two you know <laughs> when this was happening with my wee sister um, seeing the regeneration again and just being let right because it was only a matter of weeks after that point before Valva, you know yeah. didn't get any Doctor Who books for Christmas that year I can't remember I may have done I remember seeing An Earthly Child in the shops the book of that I think I definitely started buying the books myself at that point so I probably I probably did know who Joe Grant was and I probably maybe had read some unit stories now that I think about it, I think I had I have a vague feeling, vaguely knowing who they were. So Logopolis, yeah. We didn't didn't watch again. I think that's terrible that you missed the episode fours. You'd think your folks I know. could have let did you have to walk? Did you have to walk there yourself? Oh, no, when, like, you no, no go, we'd get or? a run.
0: Dad would run, so I mean I was seven at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I'd get a run, get a run around to the church, because our church was I mean, you could walk it in about ten minutes, but it was obviously yeah. at this time of year you're not gonna walk not, it because you'd at have that to that go age, through no. the park and probably get murdered at that point. Not at um, that age. No.
1: It was very interesting, um, even just getting the regeneration again, because the, the hype for Davison starting was huge. You know, and um, mm-hmm. I've ta- I'm sure I've talked before about how in Scotland, part one of Castroviejo went out half past three in the afternoon.
2: Missed the I
1: missed start-off. it because I was at Panto We missed the st- We missed the beginning of it because we were going over to my auntie and uncle's because we were going to see them because it was new year and thankfully mm-hmm. i remember opening the door and Aunt bad so saying oh doctor who's on and rushing in and they were at the point when they were going from with the master of tardis hovering there they were getting the doctor and mm-hmm. the tuffers so i didn't see the opening minutes of Castro Weil, but until it came out in bhs in 92 i think it was yeah it was um I, it was it was a good time and i think like as i've said and as a lot of people have been saying on twitter it was definitely a you know, um, you remember who you were moment and definitely a sort of cement... I mean, would you, it was, would you say it was the same for yourself? Did it cement your Doctor Who fandom? Oh,
0: definitely, definitely. I think the fact that um, I knew there were other doctors at this point, because obviously it's in mm. the regeneration and my mum and dad had told me and I'd started buying the books at this point and voraciously devouring them. So I knew who these other doctors were, but this gave me the chance to put their voices in my head rather than just my approximations of old man voice or for Hartnell and sort of general elderly authoritarian so yes it did have a huge impact that way and it did me think yep I want to know more and I want to see more but of course then yeah. you find out from Doctor Who magazine oh no there's not really that many more of yeah. them left
1: yeah it's very interesting that way because you know because they showed the three doctors I and mean, then we got to see the first three doctors each in two stories and it's interesting so I think that you know I've, I've, I'm told I and mean, I think I read it in InVision or DWM at some point that there was a plan to show Mask of Mandragora Mm-hmm. Or Mandrakora, as I pronounced it, when I bought the book, one of the first Doctor Who books I ever bought, um, same days as I got yeah. up again. The planet. I'm told there was a plan to show that. That was H- Hinchcliffe's own nominated choice, which I think is is actually probably my least favourite Hinchcliffe Doctor Who story. So I'm sure we probably would have enjoyed it at the time. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get a more, I don't know, I, I can't think of the word, a more representative example of the Fourth Doctor. Yeah. You know, rather than the Gophers. The of the Zygons uh, we,
0: would have been perfect.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice to get a, an earlier, you know, story. I mean, they probably wouldn't have shown that because it would have meant unit duplications. So something like, you know, even horrifying rock or robots of death would, for, for, would have been my pick, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest. That's an interesting one, actually. You know, which fourth Doctor story would you have picked additionally from the Goplas? I'm sure a lot of people have. And, you know, it would have been nice if it would run for a bit longer and we'd got another Trout story or another Harbour story, but there probably weren't any other Trout stories they could have shown. It's fascinating. And it's the sort of experience, I think, that a lot of modern Doctor Who fans... As Tom said earlier on, like you know, they didn't repeat old stories. We didn't have DVDs or Twitch or you know BritBox or or you know Blu-ray box sets. You know nowadays we've said this before. When we talked about the books and stuff in the past. You know, it's very it's a very different sort of landscape where you know fans can watch any old story if it exists whenever yeah. they feel like it. We just didn't have that option. You know, I remember the year after they showed a few more out of time repeats because they repeated Curse of Peladon and then edited down. Genesis of the Daleks and a repeat of Earthshock Shock under the the umbrella of Doctor Who and the monsters, and that was almost as exciting. Okay. I remember oh, loving it. It held on. It's still one of my favourite stories. It was a good time because it was almost like we were being sort of occasionally sort of drip fed these moments from the past. And of course, then the following year, Omega came back, and then we got the Five Doctors, you know, and then we got a new Doctor the year after that. So there was it was it was a, it was a good time, you know. And unlike nowadays, where you know it's all available the the, the drop of a you know the flick of a switch, or you know. Or pressing a button so I think in some ways I kind of preferred it the way we had it because you know yeah. it it a little bit more special.
0: Tom T came out with the phrase the memory cheats to say that old stories weren't as good as people remembered them but from what you've said Carnival and The Three Doctors lived up to your expectations.
2: Yes and no I mean obviously special effects let you down but then they let me down at the time I remember The uh, antimatter blob that that took the Doctor and Joe over to the the negative zone, whatever you call it. I remember that being crap at the time, you know, when it was first broadcast. So, so, you know, I think the memory does cheat, but actually I seem to remember the special effects-wise being quite disappointed the time. But no, I I think he was wrong. I think Nathan Turner was trying to excuse the, the poor writing and production values of his own era i think uh, uh, with any kind of objective judgment now with a distance between us you know looking back at the comparing the 70s with the 80s no i'm sorry he's wrong there's there's a there's a, a marked reduction in quality of script acting uh, plot um, and, and even if you take special effects out of it the stories in the john Pertwee and the, the certainly the early part of the tom baker era were, were just superb just, just wonderful. And we know that now because we can be objective, because all that time has passed.
1: I think the, the quality of the script writing was is the biggest difference. I think that's what JNT was probably fibbing himself about. You know, manifestly, the script editors in the, the 60s and 70s were much better than John Nathan Turnall's script editor, who he had for the majority of his time, I think. That's probably got a big thing to do with it.
0: Yeah, Wouldn't it be nice, though, if in 2023 they did a uh, a whole run, you can pick a story for every Doctor. It'd be really nice if they could do that. Interesting. Um, right. what would you pick? What would you pick then? Let's do that quickly. Um, I think you've got to do Unearthly Child, Tomb of the Cybermen, Spearhead from Space, uh, Terror of the Zygons, Caves of Androzani. For Colin, use the new version of *Ervoids*. Voids. Sylvester That's Remembrance, that. TV movie. For Eccleston, let's just go with a two-parter. We'll go with Empty Childs, Doctor Dances. For Tennant. Um, oh, crikey, possibly human nature, family of blood. Uh, for Matt, um, ee, crikey, that's good. That's a good question. Uh, how well, Matt It should Probably flesh and stone.
1: And for Capaldi, hellbent, heaven sent. Interesting. I don't know what i pick, to be honest. I mean, I would, on do would be a good one, but I, th- I don't think it really represents Billy at his best. So I'd maybe think of something oh, else. War machines. What- Maybe the war machines, or maybe the Romans, something like that, just to show the variety. I would probably still stick with the Crotons, to be honest. For the, for the second Doctor, third Doctor, I would probably pick Day of the Daleks. Fourth Doctor, Robots to Death or Fang Rock. Davison, probably Off Shock. Colin, excellent idea. vervoids Sylvester. Maybe the Dalek story. Maybe the Great Show in the Galaxy. Maybe Paradise Towers, just to give a bit more variety of what all. I don't know. TV movie, obviously, I would agree with you in the Ninth Doctor. For the Tenth Doctor, I would probably pick—I don't know, actually. Maybe, maybe Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel. For the Eleventh Doctor, I would agree with you. I think Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. For PCAP, I think I'd probably pick the two-part Cybermen story at the end. For JW, God, I don't know. Um, maybe just the Woman Who Fell to Earth. I don't know I'm not sure it's a mystery what I don't is. know if they will do something like that though because it's, it's, as I said it's different times with everyone accessible you know they won't um, they probably won't have to remind everyone that there were other doctors I think it's um, I keep saying this it's fascinating it blows my mind just that it's, that it's so long ago now 40 years since the five faces yeah. I, I remember it all so well <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> you know switching over to BBC too you know it was um, yeah. yeah it was great happy times
0: they were, happy times and places so people if you've got your ideas what you would repeat you can let us know you can follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod that's Power of Three with a number three rather than written out in full and we have our Facebook page we'll, we'll not mention that again um, and you can give us, share us your thoughts on what you would pick And um, so we're out of time and space once again gentlemen it's time to say adieu to you and you and you Tom thanks for joining us this week could you tell us about The
2: Imposter? Oh, The Imposter. Yes, please listen to it. 15 to 20-minute bites, Uh, basically it's my my journey through politics from 1984 when I first joined the Labour Party to the present day. And at the moment, the most recent episode covers the period in 2012 to 2013 when I made a brief return to the front bench in the House of Commons, and the next few episodes will take us up to the Scottish Independence Referendum, to the disastrous 2015 general election, and beyond to the EU referendum and the point where I finally leave the Labour Party. And believe me, it's it's actually far more interesting than what I'm making it sound. <laughs> can,
1: we, can we expect a new episode soon then?
2: <laughs> yes, you can, can. There's supposed to be one this week, actually, and i just was a bit busier. Right, goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening again. It's been great going down memory lane, and I'll see you two guys later.
0: Cheers, you well. will do. Dave? say it fairly well and remind people about Earth 2 podcast
1: yes um, i have been on it about it enough but yes check out me and Peter's voice of the DC Multiverse and Earth 2 podcast wherever you find your podcasts thank you for listening folk. we'll see you again soon take care
0: and remember you can also listen to Pieces of Eight the world's only eighth Doctor dedicated podcast talking about audios books novellas hopefully you can drop in and enjoy that Dave before we go I think you have a question for me
1: oh yes I do i sat here with a, with a virtual gun at my head, listeners. What are we playing out with then, Kenny? Well, Dave, I'm glad you asked me that. Today
0: we're going to play out with Five Faces by Linear Movement. All oh, right. What's that then? Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, they're an early 80s electro-pop group, but just some lovely, wonderful 80s synths, which I think is appropriate for this era. That'll,
1: that'll do. Right, let's hear it then.